I hope you guys liked it. And uh, by the way, the uh, the music was all mine. That's awesome, Omar. What'd you think of that, Steve? Pretty crafty. Hey, thanks. I uh, I thought so myself. So today we have a, a very interesting show. Um, we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about funerals, death in the community. Uh I know it sounds like a morbid subject. It's not intended to be. Uh we want to look at at uh customs, you know, and traditions and you know what what we do, how we handle it as a as a community, uh especially considering that we're, you know, so quote unquote faith-based. I mean, you know, we 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 advertise it, we publicize it, we announce it, you know. Uh everybody knows about everybody else's um, you know, religious convictions. But, you know, death is such a touchy uh, topic. So we want to know, uh, we, you know, we want to look at different scenarios, how people react, you know, what we've seen over the years. I mean, hell, I'm going to even share some funny stories about uh, some funerals that I've attended and, and you know, and whatnot. So um, we're also in the second hour, we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at uh, drugs the rise of drugs in the, in the community, uh, especially heroin. And this is in lieu of an article uh, that the Chaldean News published this month, uh, the April issue. You guys can check that out if you want. Uh, it was a great, great piece, actually, very well written. And I think it was definitely time for something like that. And we're going to get into that in the uh, in the second half of the show. But uh, other than that, Steve, how's your week been? Over week was awesome. The weather is great. Um, I, think I like to see everyone jogging down the street and enjoying the sun. I know you were outside with me earlier. Just you can just tell it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful time of the year. Yeah, well, the um, the sun uh, the sun blinded me, so it's, uh, I I couldn't see anything when I was out there. Really nice. Supposed to be nice uh, next few days too. Is it? I haven't yeah. checked the weather. Oh yeah. Good. I mean, you know, I, I guess spring has sprung, right? Spring has definitely sprung. April showers—they bring those May flowers. I see the trees budding too. Well, I mean, it's about time. It's it's halfway. You know, it's it's mid-April, so it's always nice to see new. Uh, New growth and new life. When I gotta say, one of my uh, so depressing. Uh, well, I would say my favorite season is fall. Fall yeah. is fall is definitely beautiful. Yeah, quit belly aching. Early fall. Hey, look who's here. <laughs> what's up, guys? Hey, Mark, what's happening? Not much. How about you guys, man? Anything good? Pretty good. We uh, it's, it's the three of us for right now. Uh, Junior's coming in. Closer to the second half, and Rafid might show up in the second half. Did Nathan retire? 
I mean, you got him in the intro. We don't see him anymore. What's going on here? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's a, an, an unsolved riddle, but uh, we'll figure it out. Um, so, of course, um, you know we're we're gonna be talking about like I said earlier, we're gonna be talking about deaths and funerals and the customs and traditions that have come along with it. Um, you know, in, in over the years and what we've witnessed, and like I was telling him earlier, Mark, I'm gonna actually share a couple of funny stories. You know, at funerals, which uh, which I think should be shared. Um, you know, I think especially since we're such a a faith-based community, you know, um, funerals funerals should not take on as dark of a and death, you know, should not take on as dark of a um, you know ending or or meaning as they do. You know? I totally agree with you, man. You know what? This is a great topic because I'm one of the uh, people in the community that honestly like disagrees with 90% of the way the funerals are held and the just the way things are handled in general during a funeral. So this is a great topic. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and so much can be said about it um you know in terms of custom tradition and and religious convictions. You know, it's it's it is like you said it, it is a it's a very interesting topic. Um you know uh, the thing that the thing that has struck me over the years, and I know you and I have talked about this uh, frequently, in, you know, in private, you know, you know, discussions and whatnot. But here's the thing: is um, uh, you know, oftentimes, and I think we've all experienced death on one level or another, whether it's a family member, a cousin, or a friend, you know. And so, you know, what happens is um, we. A lot of times we see people uh, react extremely negatively, um, and this is not by any means to to criticize the person going going through this. Uh, this is just you know observation and and how it you know how it is affect how it affects different people. But oftentimes you know you you've seen people react negatively. You see them uh, wearing the black clothes, the sign of mourning. Uh, some people have done it even for years after that person has passed. Um, you know, the, the inability to to let go, um, and so it it's that that's one thing. And then, of course, at, at the funerals, you know, you have things like you you've had things like the the whalers come in. I mean, that, that's a whole other. Ball I do it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you a great story about it. I do it. I had <laughs> I had a I had an uncle of mine. That used to swear like like a twenty four hours a day used to swear it was a super nice guy, didn't mean any harm or anything like that, but used to always be swearing. So, anyway, one day uh, he was sitting in our house, and my mom and my aunt were sitting there. Okay. And he was going off on these people that do I think it's called adoda, right? When they start yeah. the, like the wailing thing, and everyone starts crying, and they start screaming more, and pounding their heads, yeah, their beating themselves up. Looks like so, Tarzan. So he goes. So he says. My mom and my aunt go to him, uh, Salim. They go, uh, I. What are you gonna do if if at your funeral they start adoda? He goes, <laughs> so, so so listen. So anyway, Sam. You know, unfortunately, my uncle Sam. You know, later in life, he, you know, he got sick and passed. Um, at his funeral, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the lady starts adoda. And my mom and my aunt just looked at each other and had to keep from cracking up, you know, because of what he had said. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I uh, <laughs> I gotta say that uh, um, it, it's you know in a way if you really pay attention to what they say when they do that stuff, it's it's almost degrading in a sense. You know, I mean, they start bringing out personal stuff, you know, about the person, and and they just kind of go batty sometimes and say the craziest shit. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, man. <laughs> you know what what they say. I mean, uh, I remember one time my sister and I uh, were sitting next to each other at a funeral. Um, it was at a relative, and uh, two sisters of the of the person who passed, you know, in very calm voices, start saying out loud. Bring some uh, gasoline and pour it on us and light us on fire. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And it's a good thing I don't understand what they're saying when they're doing it. That's why I'm telling you, man, they go batty. And it's funny because my sister and I started kicking each other in the foot, you know, so nobody would see us, and we started snickering. I mean, we, we couldn't hold it in, dude. It was hilarious. Look, if that's not it, you know what really it comes down to when it gets that crazy? That's an insult to your faith. Because let's face it, our faith teaches us that, we're here to get to the next level. You want to get to heaven. By going insane like that and saying things like pour gasoline on us, on us is like saying that once you die, you die. Your soul is gone. Ever. There's no soul, no nothing. You're basically denouncing your faith by doing that. Oh, it's, I totally agree. It's, it's an act of despair. I mean, uh, it's, you know, like you said, and, and this, that's the whole thing here is we're such a faith-based community you know, but then here you have these situations, you know, almost one one should see death as a celebration of new life. If you really want to be technical and you really want to be, you know, advertise and proclaim your faith, then it's okay to mourn. But at the end of the day, like, it's like death should almost be seen as a celebration of new life. Yeah, you know, in Ireland, when the Catholics... Uh would pass away, they used to have a party because they used to say they escaped the clutch of the Protestants. <laughs> wow. Not kidding. That's why they party at, at funerals and stuff. Or as they say, they put the fun back in funeral. <laughs> but, but, you know, people, you know, to please people call in on this topic because this is, you know, I feel like we're finally making strides in our community. Just going to a, a one day funeral is a huge stride in itself because this deal where. You're there for, you know, two days in the hall, and the family's there all day. Then you go home, and people are loaded into your house, and then then the third day is the funeral, and then the seventh. If Even if it's the next day, it's considered the seventh, then the 40, then the – it's like, where does this stuff end, man? Yeah, we want to hear from the callers, maybe some experiences, some stories. Uh, the number is 347-857-3847. That's 347-857. Three eight four seven, and you know it's funny because um, Mark, I, I think that that our clergy and the church have really pushed for this change, and I I truly commend them for that. Um, because nowadays you don't even, you know, they, you don't even have you know go to the hall a lot of times. They don't have the wake in the hall. You know, they they put they put the person in the casket, they do a mass. You know, they do a mass say the a couple mornings after the person has passed. And then they go to lunch after the burial, and that's that's that. You don't have a wake. You don't have to deal with all that, you know, riffraff and, you know, okay, let's go to the hall and look at the cat, the person in the casket and hear the whalers tell fake stories and make the women pound on their heads and chests look like apes. Well, plus, you know what? There, it's. I just said. I used to say it's so hard on the, on that family. I mean, again, 
they're there for two days straight, standing up and sitting down at the hall. And every time they tr- start to compose themselves, somebody else walks in, going out, going crazy, and makes them break break back down again. And man, it's just a, it's just a. Listen, I already told my wife when I kick the bucket. I want Jimi Hendrix music playing. I want everybody dressed. I'm not kidding. I literally told her this. I want Hendrix music playing. I want everybody dressed in color. I want everybody BSing around, having a good time, because I want you to celebrate my life, not mourn my death. You know? I have an even better. I have something to add to that. Huh? Do it at Heartland. No, we should. Have, we'll have the chicken wings. Party tray with the chicken wings and, de- and boar's head lunch meat. <laughs> there you go. Jerk turkey for you, Omar. There you go. And the chicken tortilla soup. Chicken tortilla soup and Dan and Light and Fit Greek raspberry chocolate yogurt. <laughs> well, there you go. But, uh, you know, one thing I, I do, another thing I, I remember is uh, when my mom passed um, at her funeral, and uh, I, I commend my brother-in-law for this wholeheartedly, and I actually... Uh, stood behind him very steadfastly when he when he you know announced this, but he told Jerry he says Jerry I do not want a single whaler at this funeral. If they come in here and start stuff, I'm throwing them out. And I said to him, you know what? I'm right behind you 100%. I don't want them here. It's degrading. It's humiliating. They're loud. They're obnoxious, and they have bad breath. Damn. You know. So, so uh, it's it's you know it it gets ridiculous. It's you know. And then the the whole morning thing, the seven, you know, before, of course, we all know they had the seven, the 40th, and even the one year. I mean, you'd, after one year, people would, you know, announce it in church, and they'd, they'd still have, you know, go ha, go to each other's houses and, and whatnot. And it's, at the end of the day, it's like, why? What what are you holding on to? What is the purpose here? Is it helping you grieve any more than you, you know, just by uh, publicizing it, you know, in a one year or a 40th? Or by wearing black for 10 years afterwards? Is it going to bring the person back? No. It's all you're doing is killing yourself. I totally agree, man. It's like it kills your Re- Reliving, it, I don't know what it is. It's something about the funerals that, like, you know me anyway. I'm a non-traditionalist about everything anyway in our community. You know, right. I, I'm always, like, bucking the trends on a lot of things. Right. But this is one I really want people to buck the trend on because, you know, again, it, let's talk about that and talk about how there's the seven then the 40 then this then that or or how the deal of well i can't go out for 30 days because somebody died you know what it's on you if you feel like you're okay because let's remember life is for the living okay and uh, it's like if you feel like you're okay to go out and go do something, go out and do something. Why do you have to worry about, oh, well, it hasn't been 30 days yet. That's very embarrassing. People will think I'm not sad that I lost a family member because I went and ate dinner. Somebody saw me eating dinner in a restaurant, you know? Exactly. These stupid notions that have to be just, I mean, these things got to start to get shunned in our community. Absolutely. I mean, I I remember, uh, you know, when my mom passed, I I didn't shed a tear until probably about a month after. And so for anybody to be worried about, well, this person thinks I'm not sad because I'm out in the open and, you know, and hanging out. You know what? Nobody knows what you go through. Nobody knows how you deal with things. Nobody knows except you and the big dude upstairs, man. And that's about it. So why do you got to worry yourself about who thinks you're upset and who thinks you're not? Because at the end of the day, they don't know anything. Yeah. You know, another thing, too, that's that annoys the hell out of me is this wearing black thing. 
Oh. You know what? It's like, uh, you know, and then the funny part is they'll say, oh, I saw uh, I saw your niece or nephew somewhere, and they were uh, dressed all in colors. Well, whoopee-doo. They're, they're, so they're out in colors because they're celebrating life because they're not mourning the death of somebody that's gone. You know, it's like, how about celebrating the fact that you had that person that, you know, hopefully now they're in heaven or whatever. But just the fact that you have to wear black is an obligation. You know what? If you feel sad and you want to wear a black tie or wear black because you feel miserable about what happened, that's fine. But you know what? I'm the kind of guy I ain't wearing black. You know what? It's not going to – or the women or whatever. They – I don't see any need if they don't fe- – again, I always say it's feel. If you feel like that's what you want to do, go ahead. But if you don't, don't feel like you have to please everybody else around you by wearing black and following like it's some type of tradition that you have to do it. I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, again, like I said – um, and I think I think everybody who's listening here, everybody that we know, has faced and dealt with death on on you know different levels. Um, and the whole thing with with wearing black again, it go, just comes down to what are you accomplishing? And again, nobody here is saying it's it's wrong to mourn. I mean, Jesus mourned for Lazarus when he passed away, and he knew that the man would come back to life. Okay, and here you are, you're proclaiming your faith. You go to church every Sunday, and then you come out, and you know here you are, and you're wearing black, and you know you're pissed off at life, but for what? You're just hurting yourself at the end of the day. You know what this whole thing reminds me of? It's like we just do it because well, everybody else did it. That's just the way it is. It reminds me of the story of the lady who every time she put a ham in the oven, she cut the ends off the ham, and her husband goes, "Hon," he goes, "You know we've been married 20 years now." So every time you make a ham, you cut the ends off and put it in the oven. She goes, he goes, why do you do that? She said, well, I don't know. My mom did it. So the mom is, the mother's still alive. She comes over to the house one day, and the husband says, you know what? I love your daughter, but one thing that I just don't understand, every time she puts a ham in the oven, she cuts the ends off, and she puts it in there. And I asked her why. She said, well, you, because you did it. She said, he said, well, why did you do it? She says, you know what? Uh, my mom did it. The great-grandmother's alive. He sees her and says, listen, this question's killing me. Says, I talked. You know, your daughter cuts the ends off the ham before she puts it in the oven. I asked your, I'm sorry, your granddaughter. I asked your your daughter. She said she did the same thing because you did. it. Why did you cut the ends off that you know the ham before you shove it in the oven? She goes, Oh, that was easy. The pan was too small. I had to cut the ends off. <laughs> so, so this is like it's kind of become like what's tradition in our community. It's not even. I don't think anybody even really knows why or whatever. But it's like oh. Well, everybody does it, so we have to do it this way. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's that whole mindset of the quote unquote everybody does it. You know, that's that's really, in a way, it's it's you could say it's setting people back. It's a deterrent, really. You know, because you're not learning anything, you're not educating yourself, and you're not moving forward in life. You're just why are you doing this? Well, cause, I don't know, because everybody else does it. You know, and plus dragging yourself down with with negative energy. Look. Sadness or mourning, grieving. I always feel grieving is so personal, you know. Right. And I just feel like you're reliving that in a negative way for 30 days straight, or like, how about the ladies that wear it for a year? I mean, I had uh, one of my relatives. She said she quit wearing black. Why? Because first relative died, she wore black. Her husband died, she wore black for a year. 
Then as soon as that finished, another relative died. She worked for another year. Then another year. Next thing you know, it's like 15 years out. She's still wearing black. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so, you know, it just, again, this is a process that has to change in our community. Why are, even mentally, can you imagine the drag on you mentally? You're wearing black every single day for a year? Mark, I wouldn't be too concerned. It'll change as soon as uh, people get older and generations are getting older. That's not going to be the traditions, okay? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. It'll, it'll get there. And it's really not that big of a deal. It's our tradition, custom. They've been doing it for years, but it definitely will will change in time. And I'm not even talking about a long period of time. I'm Next 10, 15 years, 20 years, it's going to dwindle down. Well, it's already changing, though. Well, that's that's my yeah. point. I'm talking about completely. Just going to a one-day process was a huge step. You know, where, like you said, Omar, where everything's in one day. You know, the church, the burial, the seven, everything's in one day. Oh, yeah. That's a huge step. The next step is going to be wearing colors at a funeral. I'm, I'm dead serious. And the step after that is having Jimi Hendrix playing at a funeral. Oh, my. You ain't kidding, dude. Having Hendrix at the funeral. Make it. <laughs> make the funeral, man. I'd be going to the funerals now. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've, uh, you know, it's funny. I've heard of, of situations where funerals have even been, some people have been in competition with uh, their funerals versus other people's funerals. That's uh, that really, that's demented, man. That's, <laughs> it's demented. There's a certain amount of, you know, there is one thing, though, that's going on with our funerals that <clears throat> that change that I don't like, though. What's that? Is that a lot of times now the priest is not coming to the cemetery. Really? Which is very awkward. Like I just had, you know, a relative buried, and there's no priest or anything. It's just it's so awkward at the cemetery. I mean, there should be a priest there saying some prayers or doing something. Yeah, don't they usually deliver the eulogy at the cemetery? Now they're doing the prayers in the church before they go to the cemetery. Mm. And to me, I honestly, I think it's I think it's somewhat degrading that you get to the you get to the cemetery. Everyone's standing around. They don't know what to do. Nobody knows to lead prayer or not lead prayer. I mean, at least if a priest or some type of clergy Even showed up somebody yeah because i don't that's a tradition that started not that long ago and i really to be honest that's one i disagree with i don't like i wonder what the thought process is behind that i haven't i hadn't i mean i wasn't aware of that i'm gonna have to talk to one of our our clergy and find out what the thought process is behind that yeah i mean i've been to three or four funerals now like that and everyone has been extremely awkward at the cemetery hmm okay very interesting. You just you just piqued my curiosity with that one. I'm gonna have to. Re- I really do want to dig into this because I I, I agree with you. Um, it's it's definitely would be, you know, a, a lot more organized with a priest there. I mean, like you said, you you know, people get there. What do they do? Who leads what? Yeah, it's like I said. Everyone's st- like even especially if they're buried in the mausoleum. Yeah. Oh, it's really weird. Everyone just stands around, and then all of a sudden they put you know the they put the body in, and then they just. They glue the stone on, and that's it. Everybody walks away. It's just very, very awkward situation. It's really, I think, it's disrespectful of the priest of a priest not to be there. Yeah, I mean, unless they, I mean, I, I would like to hear their side just to see what their reasoning is. Um, maybe that, you know, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't say anything, and I, I I'm at a loss for words. Actually, you know, it's. it's so here's the here's the other question. How, because, again, you know in our community, everyone's scared to be the first one to make that first step. Right. <laughs> so how do we get somebody like 
Who's going to be the first one that says, you know what? I want everybody to wear colors to the funeral, and there's going to be no wailing. There's going to be, I mean, the wailing is kind of stopping at certain funerals too. The more, you know, I think it's diminished a lot. I mean, I I, I could be wrong. Maybe again, if, if somebody could call in and and chime in here, three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. That's three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. But I I think that the the uh, the wailing has has diminished significantly. Uh, I just think people, unless you know, I don't know if the more traditional Chaldeans, um, you know, that that a lot of people call boaters. Of course, I've never used that word. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But that's like the old joke. What's the difference between a Cuban and a Mexican? A Cuban's a Mexican with a boat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It's, I know this is a, you know we have to be politically correct in this role, but it's just a joke. Well. <laughs> Well, I don't know about politically correct, but uh, <laughs> I heard there was a Mexican comedian that said that too. I think it was uh, Paul Rodriguez. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but but um, you know, I I think that the whaling has has diminished uh, significantly. I mean, I've I've been to two or three funerals last year, and I didn't I didn't hear it unless I was there, wrong place, wrong time, and it happened afterwards. But. Uh, other than that, you know, um, which I, I think is a great thing because, like I said earlier, it's just it's degrading, man. It's you know, I don't need to hear your shit. You know, please, <laughs> you know, keep it to yourself and don't make up stories about the person just to get people crying and and doing more insane things. You know, and it's, it's thank God that it it has diminished. And you know, even the even the wake where you know you go to the hall for where they have them out for six hours or whatever it is for one or two days, you know. That's that's gone now too in a lot of cases, you know. Like we said, and they're just going to the church, celebrating mass, going to the cemetery, and going to lunch afterwards. Which again, it's it's, it's a great thing. And I know that I know that a lot of the a lot of time the the church has been pushing for that. Which uh, you know, and and the whole idea of the seventh on the on the following Sunday and the fortieth, you know, two three weeks after that, and that's all that's all disappeared. So, in, in a dude, lot. I've been to funerals. Where the guy was like 85 and they're freaking adored. <laughs> I'm like, he, this guy lived a full life. He chain smoked. He ate what he wanted to, lived to 85. And they're like, ah, they're freaking out. I'm like, what the hell is this, man? He should be celebrating this dude made it this long, man. That's ridiculous. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, I've witnessed it, dude. No, I mean, really, that's. That's uh I mean that's borderline insanity. I mean it's it's pointless, it's fruitless, you know. To be honest with you, in in a very strange way, I think those whalers get off on seeing that they can it's almost a way of manipulating, really. I totally agree. I think they totally get off on that stuff, man. Like, oh, look yeah. what I'm doing to these people. Exactly. It's a it gives them a sense of power, man. Like seriously. If you really break it down psychologically, it really, really does. It gives them a sense of power, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's something that needs to be cut completely. It's show. It's all show. Exactly. It's all show. Like, look at me. I'm the saddest one in the world right now. Oh, woe is me. Exactly. And you know, it really, it's what it comes down to, man. It's like, look again. I just think that grieving is such a personal thing. I don't. It's not a public uh, forum. I don't believe it's a public forum, and I don't get the whole digging the dagger and further the death and the 40 and this and that and wearing black it's like 
Holy smokes, man. You're supposed to live life. You know, again, life is for the living. Exactly. And again, you know, if if you're if you're really a, a person of faith, okay, which most of our people advertise loudly that they are, right? So if you're a person of faith, then your faith teaches you that you're going to reunite with that person at some point down the road. So, you know, consider this uh, a temporary, uh, a temporary, you know, parting from that person. So, to me, the the more you grieve, the less faith you actually have. Yeah, I agree that insane grieving. Yeah, I mean, there's certain stuff that's just from you, from within you, which is very earthy, right? That you can't stop. But any type of fabricated grief, it's it's kind of a uh, like you said, Omar, it's almost like an insult to your faith yep. when it's fabricated grief like that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back uh, in a few minutes. We'll be right back. Big O Productions, one of Michigan's premier recording studios, offers many great services, piano lessons, on-hold phone messages, custom commercial jingles, professional studio recordings, just to name a few. We offer the highest quality at affordable prices. Contact Omar Benu at omarbenu at gmail.com. That's O-M-A-R-B-I-N-N-O at gmail.com. You can also find Omar Benu's work at www.bigoproductions.net. That's www.bigoproductions.net. Invest, the International Network for Vocational Educational Skills Training, is a Michigan not-for-profit company dedicated to the implementation of education in underserved communities. For more than six years, Invest has structured educational programs geared towards the preservation of cultural and moral values through classroom and beyond. With two locations, Invest offers quality education in a nurturing, supportive atmosphere. The elementary, middle, and high school offer free breakfast, lunch, free uniforms, and transportation, and free classroom materials. Strict discipline and tradition are trademarks of Invest, and its loving environment has proven to be a strong asset to the community. Invest enrollment is open throughout the year. Come visit us and allow us to educate, protect, and nurture your children. Call 248-399-7033. That's 248-399-7033. Or visit us on the web at www.investschools.org. That's www.investschools.org. Looking to sell your property? Looking to purchase a property? Commercial? Residential? Rental? Vacant land? Oakland Real Estate Associates. Over 30 years of experience. Let one of our professional realtors guide you through the whole process. You can find us at www.getyouahouse.com. That's 
www.getyouahouse.com. You can reach us at 248-799-9997. Oakland Real Estate and Associates. Relax, you're almost home. about the same morbid subject not no. <laughs> most uh you know a lot of people are, are are scared to talk about it i think too this openly do you think, do you agree with that yeah you know it seems like a lot of people are just are so scared to buck the trends even if they don't agree with them they're like they still do the same thing you know it's like they don't agree with the trend but they just go well everybody's doing it so i gotta do it right i i totally agree um and and again, it's it's just something that's that's so. Uh, this is not even something taboo. It's more not talked about out of fear, almost. You know, or it's like, well, but but here's here's something that I've noticed too, like that's happened on social media, um, over the last or you know since since it's gotten hot and whatnot. I think this is a little bit funny. I mean, I've actually posted about this a couple years ago on on a status, but. You know, now you get people who a new trend is uh they'll they'll bring up somebody who died like ten, fifteen, or twenty years ago, and you know they'll post it and they'll be like, "Well, I miss you, and you were this and you were that." They'll kind of start talking to them on on Facebook, and I, I you know, it's like, what do you are you just looking for attention for yourself by doing that? Man, that's a tough one. I I, I don't know whether you know what it depends, Omar. I think how it's written. If it's like a sad post mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, I miss you so much, I wish blah, 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 that's one thing. But if they say like, hey, I want to thank you, you know, I'll, just to commemorate the beautiful life of this person and how they affected me in a positive way. Right. You know, there are two different kinds of posts. One of them, like you said, is the sadness thing. And one is saying, hey, just I remember this person, what a great person they were, and thanks for the impact you had on my life. You know what I mean? You know, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, I, I can't disagree with that. It's like you said, it's, it's the way it's, it's the way it's portrayed. It's the way it, it comes off. Um, I don't know, man. I've always had a pet peeve with expressing sadness to that extent publicly. I, to me, it just should be very private. You know, and if uh, if you're trying to grieve or whatnot, you know, I don't know. Go, go write a journal or something. I go. agree. I agree, Omar. Uh, we got John from DC. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? What's happening, man? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, listening into your show this evening. All right. What are you, What are your thoughts? I, I I think a lot of what you guys said I, I agree with. I mean, uh, I think I have uh, very similar observations. I mean, uh, Middle Eastern weddings are very uh, dramatic. Uh I think it's it's um, all Middle Eastern weddings. I think are that way. 
uh, pretty dramatic, a lot of wailing and crying and a lot of drama. <laughs> you, you, you mean funerals, you mean right? funerals yeah. right? Yeah, is that what I said? No, you said weddings. Oh, Although no. our weddings are dramatic, too. <laughs> yeah, Although our weddings are very dramatic, <laughs> with you there, especially man. between the in-laws. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I, I, I obviously meant funerals. Sorry. That's okay. So, but, do you think do you think yeah. that some of these customs and traditions, you know, in terms of the, you know, mourning with with wearing black for, I mean, sometimes for years after, you know, the, and then having or celebrating or or you know commemorating by doing a, you know, seven days after, then a forty days after, and whatnot. What do you think about all that? So, I don't think that's really too much of a big deal. I mean, so so I'm not Chaldean. Uh, my wife is Chaldean. So I'm, I'll just say I'm Middle Eastern Christian. I'll just say that. Um, my wife is Chaldean. And uh, so a lot of cultures do the same thing, right? I mean, I think a lot of them wear black at funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think a lot of their customs are actually pretty similar um, within various communities, Um there's one thing I did notice with the Chaldean community. Um, the men and women sit separately, which I never understood that. Um, you know, you're right. We didn't even address that. You're you're right about that. Yeah, it, is, a, it is silly, man. That's another ridiculous one. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I noticed. I, I guess they got it from the Muslims, maybe, because um, I know they do that quite a bit. But um, yeah, because we don't do that. I mean, I'm so so. I'm gonna say, and I know. Uh, Sometimes it creates controversy, but I'm a, I'm a Palestinian Christian. So, uh, but my wife is oh, you're Chaldean. From, dude, you so. from you from Ramallah? I am, yeah. Oh, cool. Do you know like Jeff Jacob, Tony Tawil, Chris Jacob, yeah. Norman Wire, all great friends of mine, man. Awesome guys. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I think a lot of the customs are very similar, actually. Um, sure. Even outside of the Middle East, like you know the Italians, the Greeks. Um, they were black, and, and you know when it comes to funerals and stuff, um, I think it's more of a Mediterranean kind of a thing, Middle Eastern and Mediterranean kind of a thing. Um, you know, you're not going to see maybe Chinese doing that or, or Scandinavian people doing that, maybe. Um, but I think it's more of a Mediterranean slash Middle Eastern kind of a thing. Well, do you feel that it's do you feel that the level of mourning and at times where it's over the top almost almost kind of showy? Do you feel that it's almost an insult to our faith as as Christians and Catholics? I think sometimes it is. Sometimes the women go overboard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and and I I think I think some of them feel like they have to. And if they don't, they're not Mourning or grieving enough. So, in in other words, they're doing it like we were saying earlier. They're doing it because, well, I'm supposed to do it because everybody else is doing it, kind of thing. Yeah, peer pressure a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in some situations, yeah, that 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 seems to be the case. So, what do you think we could do to change that within our traditions? What type of thought process do we have to change? To to get to fix some of these issues so that it's not like some dramatized mourning thing where we actually celebrate their life instead of mourning their death and we do things to fix that. 
Well, I mean, I think it's okay to do both. I think mourning their death and celebrating their life at the same time is, is not unreasonable. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. it's, I think these customs are very old customs, and they're not things that you can just change overnight. But do you think that they, some of them, need to change? Would you, would you say that or no? Well, I mean, I think some funerals are easier than others. Some of them are more dramatic, like I said. I mean, I don't think they're all bad, you know. Um, right. You know, it's a funeral. I mean, what, what you know, <laughs> what are you going to do in a funeral? I mean, um, I got I got to tell you a, f a funny story. Uh, both of you actually, um, I uh, a couple a few years ago, somebody somebody passed, and there was a you know there there were a funeral, and there the the, per, the this person's relatives uh, were inside a shop uh, like a, a week after the funeral, and they were comparing their funeral to somebody else's funeral. And they said they had a nicer funeral. <laughs> This is not a joke. True story. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's like the weddings, actually. You know, you know, going back to the weddings, I mean, it's very similar. A lot of competition. Who does it better? Who does it nicer? You know, a lot of um, materialism, I think. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a huge, huge factor. There's no doubt about that there. You know. John, thanks a lot for your call. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. We appreciate yep. it, dude. Yeah, and happy Easter to everybody. Happy Thank you. Happy, happy Easter, Easter you too. to you, man. Have an awesome night, dude. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. What a nice guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool dude. I'm glad. Always yeah. good to hear perspective. Oh, for sure. It was, it was, um, you know, very, very, uh, definitely uh, interesting to hear his perspective because he's not Chaldean, um, even though he's Palestinian. Uh, like he said, they still have the same um, traditions, um, you know, in terms of funerals and weddings and whatnot. I wonder if they have the whalers too. Did he? Did he? You know what? I've been to a, a few uh, funerals. Like I said, some of my very close friends are Palestinian Christian, and almost all of them are from Ramallah. Mm -hmm. And I did not notice the whalers at their. I mean, it was the same as like the Chaldeans, where everyone's dressed in black and very somber mood. But honestly, I didn't. I didn't hear the whalers. I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not going to a thousand funerals of the other culture. But what I went to, I didn't notice it. But uh, when I go to American funerals, everyone's dressed in colors and kind of. Uh, you know, telling stories about the person, having like you know, like a pleasant time celebrating their life. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I've never been to a funeral outside the Chaldean community. Have you? I mean, obviously you have since you said that. How? How? I mean, obviously we know they're different, but how different? I mean, what's the atmosphere like? The the you know the whole air in the in the place when you go and check it out. You know what? It's a very light. I mean, from what you know, the funerals I've been to in American, very light atmosphere. People are like uh, socializing. They're wearing colors. They're socializing. They're laughing. They're talking. Again, it's more of a celebration of life. Are there some tears shed? Absolutely, because as they're telling 
these, uh, you know, really nice stories about the person who passed. Obviously, tears of sadness and joy together. Uh, but honestly, it's a very, very, very light feeling in the room. It's not that heavy, somber, dark feel where you're scared to crack a smile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, do they? Do they also? Do they also? Um, you know, sit around for like a couple hours in the hall, like the same way we do. You know, drinking coffee and mingling and socializing. You know, they do, but it's more like a. Uh, it's just more like a gathering than it is a. Again, it doesn't have that that deep, deep darkness to it. You know what I mean? Like the chasm of darkness. Like you know, life has ended for you too, because this person has passed. I mean, I'm, that's my best way of putting it. No, I totally, uh, totally, <laughs> totally agree with that. You know, it's more like, hey, you know what? We love this person, and is great. And remember when he did this and that, and then people start laughing and joking and socializing about stuff, and kind of go off in the corner and walk around, and talk to each other and stuff. It's very different atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, and with us, it's like uh, it's it's um, you know, it's sometimes they do do that. I have to say, you know, that's in all fairness, uh, they they do do that. Like, I know at Jerry's, you know, he's got the basement where a lot of people end up going, um, you know, after they they visit or, or they stand outside and just, you know, just mingle and talk and whatnot. And I, that's uh, that's all cool. Uh, but uh, as usual, like the same way it happens at Shenandoah weddings, they start talking about their business. and you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's like when you sit next to those relatives at a funeral, you, haven't, you only see... At funerals, they're like, yeah. good. good. Uh, that's nice. Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, business always has to come up, uh, you know, during these, these um, gatherings, if you want to call them that. And dude, I've heard people talk in business in, in the hall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like... Can you at least wait till you're out of the damn hall, you know, before you're like, hey, man, I got nine trees on my lot. I need to cut out. When are you going to take care of them? Because we've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I sat next to a guy. It's like, uh, you want to just wait on that, dude? I've had, I've had people who, right, you know, right in the hall, I mean, right where the, you know, people sit, like, have, have been on their cell phone ordering food from Sahara. You know, it's like, come on, man. Have some R E S P E C T. Seriously, man. You know, and then or their phones go off and they answer right in the middle of the thing. You know, that's uh, it's kind of like what happens in church. Yeah, yeah, in church, I, they had a sign at one of the churches that said, "Expecting a call from God? No, then turn off your cell phone." <laughs> <laughs> I won't forget this. That uh, it was the first day at Holy Cross, uh, the first Chaldean Mass, the first Mass ever there. Uh, was on Palm Sunday of 2013, and the priest is in the middle of the homily, and one of the ladies' phone goes off, and he just stopped for about five seconds after the the phone stopped ringing. He says to her, "Bakherib <laughs> kefa." I mean, it was it was pretty funny, man. It was it was, uh, you know, I, if that was me, I would have kind of felt pretty embarrassed. Yeah, that is pretty good. The uh, with the phone going off and whatnot. Well, again, you know, these funerals and stuff are definitely an uh, interesting topic in our community. It's one of those taboos, like you said, that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants, you know, it's like 
It's kind of like those massive communion parties or baptisms that happen at like 8 o'clock at night. The baby's asleep, but everyone's drinking <laughs> Hennessy on behalf of the baby. <laughs> and have a cake the size of a wedding. And, and dancing chugga on behalf of the baby. Everyone's got a custom dress on and stuff. And, and everybody, when they leave, they all go, oh, that's ridiculous. It was like a wedding. But nobody says not to do these things. Nobody actually comes out and says it. Behind closed doors, they say it. But in public, they won't say that. We don't like these things. I know the priests have discouraged it for years. Um, and it's funny because our people are somewhat selective with uh, with what they want to listen to uh, in terms of, you know, what the priest says and what, you know, what what they should and shouldn't do. They're, they're you know, somewhat selective on that. I mean, I've, you know... I've, I've, it's, it's funny, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but I had a buddy of mine once who's uh, half a Syrian. He's like, well, the priests, you know, keep pushing the whole Chaldean thing. I said, listen, I said, don't blame nothing on the priests, man. He's like, no, it is a priest's fault. If the priests would tell them that we were all Assyrian, they would all listen. I said, don't blame anything on the priest. I said, because let me ask you something. I said, if a priest, if if you wanted to marry a girl, and the girl's mom said no, okay, and the priest came and talked to, to went and tried to talk to that girl's mom, and told her no, let your daughter marry his son. I said that priest is going to be in his grave very early. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> you know, and it, you know, I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a, a harsh example, but you know what I'm saying though. You know, uh, I had a you know a priest one time was telling me a story, and. He he was talking to a relative once. You're gonna love. It. I think I may have shared this with you. I know I've shared, I've shared this on here before, but he was talking to a relative one time, and they were discussing. The relative was telling the priest, "Well, the guy who marries my daughter has to have uh, making six, you know, six uh, six digit salary. He's got to have a house here. He's got to have this kind of car." Does the six digit include decimal points or no? <laughs> I mean, you could be talking about you know a thousand a thousand dollars, but to take you know you put the decimal points in. You know, well, six, six, <laughs> six digits before point and then ninety nine after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's uh so, and and the priest says to him, well, why is not why isn't love on your list? And the guy stops, looks at the priest, and goes, save your preaching for Sunday. So, the priests have, you know. Been trying to stop this stuff, the baptism parties, the communion parties, all that, all that stuff, you know. And people just, like I said, they're selective with what they want to listen to the priest. Now, if the priest tells them, "Hey, we're all Chaldean," oh, Kashimeri, Uchkulen Kaldaye, you know. <laughs> well, so yeah, but the same priest told you don't fight with your mother-in-law. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or as Father Boji would put it. If you don't like dolma, you don't make dolma seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so these customs and traditions, a lot of them, I think, you know, a lot of them do got to go um, just because they're being done just because. And it, in a way, it, it prolongs the, the grieving. It prolongs the, the process, and it kind of, it kind of, you know, deteriorates a person's faith too, in a way, because they're not really looking at it from from a faith perspective. Yeah, and don't we think some of this stuff too? Again, it's not to try and sound like a, a deeper uh, view of things, but a lot of the things that we do in our culture, the one thing that's kind of interesting is that, in the same way that most of our people are pop culture people, if you look at it, 
we, we're kind of in some ways, again, it's not knocking us, but in some ways we are pop culture is in like, you know, pop culture, people follow the trends, right? Of course. Yeah. That's why it's and, all pop. Yeah. And, and so like, even with the music that most of our culture listens to is generally like what's in like the billboards top 10 or top 20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in Channel the same five, five material. Yeah, exactly. And in the same way we follow uh, things within the culture, as far as we just accept things within the culture, like, the way we handle funerals, the way we handle, you know, certain things is just like, oh, well, yeah, I know I don't really agree with it, but that's why I'm going to do it because everybody does it that way. Yep. That's kind of that pop culture mentality almost. It is. You know, it's it's almost, really, it's almost mechanical. You know, if you really think about it, it's like, you know, it's kind of like being, don't be a machine. Don't be a, don't be a sheep. Yeah, and we're not knocking the community because we got an awesome community. Of course. But it doesn't mean, just like on a personal level, it, you know, even there's great good people, but you always feel like you can improve yourself. We feel like this can improve the community. Well, I've always said this about myself, and I'm only speaking for myself here and for nobody else, but uh, there, there are, you know, I'm probably, you know, I'm one of the, you know, the hardest core people involved in the community. I mean, I love the community. I love my community to death. But by the same token, I'm probably one of the hardest critics, too. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think if things need to change and, and, it, and you know, they, you can show a valid reasons why they should change, then we should try to strive for change in those things. I'll agree. If it's constructive criticism, I'm all for it. You know, because we're, we're talking, we're not dogging things that go on within the community because it's just to, just to dog them. It's more like, I think... I think our community can make a step forward if we change some of these things. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, like we in Detroit, the Chaldeans here in Detroit, whether a lot of people realize it or not, have contributed so much economically to this city for years and years. You know? Oh, I totally agree. I remember when Col- – well, I'm older than you guys, of course. But I remember when, I remember when Coleman Young was mayor. He said straight out. If it was not for the Chaldean community, our my people would not have food to eat because we had a, we ran all the stores in Detroit. There was no chain stores; all the chain stores ran for the hills. Yeah. We've contributed a lot to Detroit. There's no two ways about it. We've been a part of this culture, a part of this community, and um, hey, we can. And it doesn't mean we still can't improve on things. And God rest Coleman's soul. Yeah, he was definitely way better than Kwame. I tell you that much. All he had is Cougarans. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> He hit the Kugrans, and he gave a key to the city to Saddam Hussein. <laughs> People don't believe me. I was told him when, when the Super Bowl was here and they gave Jerome Bettis a key to the city, I told people, I go, you know who got the last key? Saddam. They go, no, nah, you're crazy. I said, okay, well, look it up, because I remember when he gave it to him. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to start looking at uh, the rise of drugs in the community. Um Especially heroin. Mark, I don't know if you read the, the article that the Chaldean News had in there this month. It was a very well written piece. Um it talked about the, the use of the rise you know, the rise and use of of heroin. Uh, you know, with with younger people and whatnot. And we're gonna take a look at that when we come back. So stay tuned. Big O Production, one of Michigan's premier recording studios. Offers many great services, piano lessons, on-hold phone messages, custom commercial jingles, professional studio recordings, just to name a few. We offer the highest quality at affordable prices. Contact Omar Benu at 
omarbinu at gmail.com. That's O-M-A-R-B-I-N-N-O at gmail.com. You can also find Omar Binu's work at www.bigoproductions.net. That's www.bigoproductions.net. Looking to sell your property? Looking to purchase a property? Commercial? Residential? Rental? Vacant land? Oakland Real Estate Associates. Over 30 years experience. Let one of our professional realtors guide you through the whole process. You can find us at www.getyouahouse.com. That's www.getyouahouse.com. You can reach us at 248-799-9997. Oakland Real Estate and Associates. Relax. You're almost home. Because that, oh, uh, just seems like a karaoke part, you know? Well, <laughs> <laughs> what are the real words, man? What is <laughs> The real words are, Baghdad. <laughs> right, Steve? Well, he's all the way out there, so you guys can't hear him. So um, we're back, and uh, we have uh, Junior in the house who just joined us. Hi, guys. What's happening? Yo, what's uh, up, man? What's going on? Got a really, really important show today to discuss, huh, guys? It's uh it's a de- definitely a uh, an important topic. Uh the Chaldean News again I think did a great job covering it in their in this month's issue. Um it's uh the rise of of drugs uh especially with uh you know in, with heroin um within the community. Yeah, well you know there's a lot of situations that have that that can occur to lead to stuff like this that's happening. Um, and it's not just in our community. What we have to understand is it's been an increase through many communities, and uh, it's just going to get worse. There's a lot of things that people can say that lead to it or, or the matter of, of how accessible it is and what have you. Well, the, the reason it's important partly to stress you know, that it is in the community is because it's been taboo for so long. Omar, know. recap the article for us real quick, would you? Actually, I could. You want me to do that for you? Yeah, please. Okay. Please. Well, let's first talk about um, where the article came from. Um, we're going to speak later on in this in this uh, inter- I'm sorry in this session. We're going to speak with Angie Toma, um, who actually is um, heading right now uh, the program right now with the church, and it's called Peter's Angels Chaldean Community, which is co-signed um, by Bishop Francis, and uh, they've been getting 
uh, awareness made out to the community because this young lady lost her brother at the age of 27 years old, Peter. Um, she talked in the article and discussed the fact that um, for almost 10 years, uh, she was watching him, quote, die slowly. I mean, to um, to say that, I mean, that's one thing, but to have seen that from your family member, that's another. Um, I mean, it's, that's a pretty deep, deep statement and a feeling uh, because you're empty. You know, there's things that you try to do and what have you, and she's making a point to say uh, raising awareness is, is one thing. Knowing the detections of it, she mentioned stuff about the um, early signs and teaching the Chaldean mothers and fathers, you know, not to have shame and to deal with it openly. I, I love that statement by her. She's she's right. Um, it, it's we, you know, this show started back in September, and one thing that I've noticed more and more week after week with you guys that bring these topics up is, you know, we're bringing awareness, but we're bringing awareness because this community is taking a turn. We're evolving to what we are here through our society, right, guys? I mean, do you, do you agree with that overall? So this is a big part of it. Drugs, like you said, Omar, yeah, they're a taboo, but they're not new to our community. So, you know, we definitely got to get off that statement that it's new to our community. It's just being brought to our awareness, and somebody like Angie, and now that Bishop Francis has gotten on board with it, it's um it's got to be made aware. I don't think anybody ever thought it was new to the community. I just like I said I I think that this whole thing it being taboo is is a major major setback you know that because the reason the reason people don't want to deal with this is out of pride you know they feel like well if this person finds out my son is doing or did did drugs I'm going to look bad people are going to talk about me it's like dude yeah, but that's 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 a fraction of it I I'm oh, sorry go ahead I was going to say that's a fraction of it guys the, the 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 major problem that I see besides that I do agree with you Omar there is there is that shame but these people don't understand they don't know we can sit here and we can keep offering all the help and thinking you know keep it quiet just keep paying for things and do this but you're doing nothing but fueling the problem you're not finding the correct help Something like this foundation that was created this, through, through the community is going to help. That is going to bring the awareness. Believe it or not, guys, you know, I put a message out yesterday on Facebook in regards to the show today. The response that I got, I couldn't believe. Direct messages, phone calls, text messages. There was people that were reaching out that were ready to tell stories but didn't want their name mentioned. So, okay, let's go back to that shame part. That's fine, but it's not just in our community. People in general sometimes don't want to have their name put out there. They keep anonymous on that behalf, not just because of the shame. Just Mark, what were you going to say? Ununderstanding. The thing that shocked me is heroin. I'm sorry. Like When I saw that, I guess I'm less shocked by other drugs, but I was like super shocked when I saw heroin, man. For some reason, it just does not... It did not resonate with me that we have a heroin problem in, the, in our community. Maybe I'm just... Living in a plastic bubble or something? You are. <laughs> but, you want to know why you are? Huh? Because you don't believe that it could happen in your own backyard. And let me tell you where this stems and starts from majority of the time. And I'll say it to you. Because somebody like me has strong willpower, Mark. And I proved it to myself 16 years ago, 1999. I lost my arm in a car accident. And I lost my mom in a two-week time period. Okay? The story's out there. We know it. Now, I started off in the hospital. Okay? I was on... Vicodins and Percocets 
Mind you, I wasn't eating. I couldn't eat for the whole week. I had maybe half a burger. Everything was through IV just because you're nauseated. The feeling, my rejection of my body rejects that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the clicker that I had for the morph, I'm sorry, yeah, for the morphine that was going to my body was set for every two minutes to reset for me to be able to keep clicking that. It happened Sunday night. By Wednesday, I can put my cousin on to attest this. He was sleeping in the room with me because he was trying to control the situation of what they were giving me all these meds. I got up hallucinating at around 1 o'clock in the morning and chased the nurse down the hall. May God strike me down with an IV, uh, strolling the IV machine with me because I was hallucinating so bad. Now, 45 days later, I walked downstairs to my sister and I looked at her and I said, Dude, this stuff is killing me. I don't even want to touch this stuff no more. And I have not touched it but once. Actually, twice, and I'll tell you how bad one of the story was. Once was when I when I got into my um, knee surgery, I blew my ACL out. Mm -hmm. I did it, and God, that feeling again was there. Threw them away immediately. And one other time, back in 2002, somebody told me, how's your arm feeling? I said, you know, a little tense, whatever. It's like, here's a muscle relaxer. That's how the how it kind of opens up a lot of times. Here is a muscle relaxer. And you're thinking, oh, muscle relaxer, I'm going to pop a pill and relax my muscle. The way I felt, never knew what Oxycontin was, even when I was going through this, it was the most disgusting. I could not understand what I was going through, helpless feeling, but because my mind was so strong at will, I broke all that stuff. But there's guys that don't. You understand, when you take one of those pills and you feel the way you feel, that rush, you are going to go from your aunt to your uncles to your friends to your brothers to your sisters' homes, medicine cabinets to continuously get those pills. It doesn't stop. But don't you think that I, – I, I understand what you're saying, but I still believe that that's not most situations. Most – you know, those are situations, yeah, that some people that – let's say the doctor starts them out on a painkiller and they got addicted. But I think 98% of the other situations are – people are using so many gateway – uh, you look, things they think are harmless, right? Smoking dope. These people go out and they listen, there's gateway drugs to other things. I don't care what anybody tells me. I beg to differ. That well, is your gateway drug. Your medicine cabinet is your gateway drug. But, but that's not but that's not most of it though these days. You see everything that's been accepted now and it's fine people always are for this and for that and use this and use that. But you know what? Everything's kind of become a gateway to some another high. You know, you never look it's like an alcoholic. It starts with one glass, then two glasses, then three glasses, then two nights a week, then you're drinking alone, and next thing you know, you're an alcoholic. The gateway drug thing. I don't believe in gateway drugs. I, I totally believe in it. I, I believe in addictive personalities. That's totally different. The human beings drug. by nature are addictive, whether it be gambling, whether it be eating, whether it be anything. But everybody, it's with everybody has an addictive, addictive nature right. to, that, to a certain extent. But you have to point. have you have to have willpower. First of all. I don't. I still don't get anyway. Again, maybe it's just me. Maybe I live in a plastic bubble. I've never understood why somebody wants to get high to escape reality or doing that stuff. It makes no sense to me. It never has. It's well, like telling me, put your hand on the stove. Your hand's going to burn when you put it on the stove, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. You can't say that because people have their vice in certain ways. I mean, just like somebody who gets high off of playing soccer after they get off from work. Or that's not a vice. Ways. It's a vice. The, your body's releasing endomorphs, which is a high that's going through your body. If you're considering that a vice, that's like saying love is a vice because you fell in love and you're happy. If it gets <laughs> it's high, completely it gets wrong. High, though. No, but if, if, if love can get you high by making if, love, that's the half-empty thing. 
Half empty glass versus half full. If you want to consider it a negative or a positive, that depends on you. Well, but drugs are not a positive, no matter how you break them I'm down. I'm not saying it's a positive. I'm talking about things that can that, that become people's vice. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm saying a vice. I mean, things that make them, you know, make them, you know, feel better in their own way. I mean, like I said, somebody can go come home and have sex with his wife and be the that that's his vice. He's great for the day. But but. My thing is, I will argue this with anybody till the day that I die. Those painkillers that those doctors prescribe us are what is giving the most ability to people turning into heroin addicts. Okay, opiates, painkillers. They, they. I mean, you, you serious? Let me explain something to you. Just this morning alone, there was an article that was written this morning. Okay, do you know? Do, do you guys here in the room know what fentanyl is by any chance? Mark, fentanyl? Omar? Yeah, do you know what Yeah, that I've is? heard of that. It's like, uh, I don't know what kind of drug it is, but I've heard of it. Okay. It's an FDA-approved painkiller, okay? Mm-hmm. That FDA painkiller-approved patch, okay? Let me tell you about that. It, you know, you talk, you, talk about, you talk about heroin use. This thing is 15 to 20 times stronger than heroin. It is 80 to, 20, 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine, Okay. So when you're doing this and putting somebody in this level that you can take this just because of the fact that you injured your back or you lost your arm in a car accident and you put this patch on, you will chase that feeling if you cannot have the willpower to stop it. That that feeling leads you, again, going from prescription to prescription, doctor to doctor, household to household, to finally getting to your cheap way of getting your heroin on the streets. So what are they doing? They're putting fentanyl in with the heroin to beef it up, to make it stronger, okay? And because of that, we now have over 53 deaths in Detroit alone just because of the fact that they overdosed using fentanyl along with heroin, cocaine, with, with um, alcohol, and other, you know, drugs. So I'm just letting you know that to have a $374 billion industry, okay, there's a means to that madness. And it's getting these people to use these drugs. And when these kids cannot get to that prescription anymore, and mom is not giving them money to go get this shit no more, they are going to the streets, to the cartel. The Mexicans are putting it out. And yes, I will say it. They are putting it out with this fentanyl and other synthetics, and it's making hot doses and killing these kids a lot quicker. See, we We want to to remind our callers to call in. Uh, The phone lines are open at 347-857-3847. That's 347-857. Eight five seven, three eight four seven. So, like I was saying to you, the, the the you know we have this image, okay, Mark Omar. I mean, you know, you may have not seen this, you know, because of your situation. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, we we know. You'll see the light one day. Um. So so. We have this image in our head instilled, okay, that it was back in the days, that look of that dingy alley with the guy that's sitting there, and he's got his tourniquet wrapped up, shooting up heroin, and he's the dirty little kid that's sitting around so all the what you're saying, what you're, what are you saying is, what you're saying is, you're saying pharmaceutical drugs are a bigger gateway drug than something like pot? Yes, and I will tell you this right now. Let me tell you something, okay? When you're using stuff like Oxycontin, Okay, let me tell you what these painkillers do. And I'll go back to your question, Omar. Slow breathing, low blood pressure, poor coordination, decreased breathing rate. That one's my favorite. And back to your question, I'm going to tell you. Combination of smoking marijuana and doing Oxycontin slows your breathing rate so low that it's enough to kill you because your heart cannot keep up with it. So listen, if you're going to smoke weed, feel free to do it without mixing anything with it. There's no need. Enjoy it because if you're going to pick the evil of the two in my choice... Smoke all the weed you want. I don't know, dude. I'm 
Listen, I don't agree with – look, and I know I'm going to catch a ton of heat for this. Uh, I don't agree with all this stuff. I'm going to go blaze and all this other stuff and get high and all this crap. You know what? It's all gateway stuff. We have an addi- look, let me talk for go one ahead. second. Go ahead. People are addictive by nature, but knowing that you're doing something that is addictive and going for it all the time, and all these it's funny to me, all these guys that say weed is harmless, smoke it seven days a week. If it's so harmless and not addictive, why are they out there seven days a week, two, three, four times a day getting high? It is addictive. In the same way that alcohol has become designer. Oh, we have 52 kinds of bourbon now because now it's hip to drink bourbon you with maple it, in it. Do you sell liquor, Mark? No. None of your stores do. No, we don't sell liquor. Never in your, never in the business at you. No, we've never sold liquor. None of our grocery no stores beer, sell liquor. Wine, nothing? We sell beer and wine. Then you're selling a gateway drug, then, my friend. Listen, that's it's, what you're telling me. Let me finish. Okay. It's a ga- again, uh, somebody having a beer or two is no big deal. A glass of wine is Incorrect. no big. Correct. That's an addiction. I totally disagree. You're you're describing everything that you do. You're saying everything you do. The other drugs are they are gateway and alcohol is also gateway if you don't again, you're addictive an addictive creature by nature whether it be food, alcohol or whatever. You can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to sell steak then because the guy might eat five and have a heart attack." You know, but there are things that are gateway. Even this hookah smoking thing. Come on, this it's one of the worst things for your lungs there is, but everyone seems to think it's cool and hip and trendy so they're doing it. But there's got to be somewhere along the line Somebody's got to put their foot down and tell people they are hurting themselves. I don't care whether – forget about right and wrong. They are hurting themselves, and it is an addictive thing that's happening to you them. Know, and, and back to this, and I'm not advocating, but i got to look it up if I can, and I'll find it here in a second. Well, here. I have to say something, though. Wait, real quick. There was a country, and I will tell you, and I'll look it up in a second, and it was posted um, on a documentary. This country had one of the worst heroin drug problems in the world. They allowed marijuana, made drugs legal, and they have the least amount of addiction issues with heroin anymore, and they are now working with that. Not to say, again, again, one is better than the other, but I'm saying, yes, in a way, if you're going to choose the evil of the two, choose the one that's not taking lives. Smoke seven days a week. I have yet to hear somebody on Chaldean News or anywhere say their kid died or got into a car accident or OD'd or anything off of smoking pot. So I still don't agree with it. Whether you, you tell me that, to. it doesn't matter to me. I, you can tell me. You, you can give me. You listen, everybody. Everybody can skew to. statistics because liars, stats lie, and liars use stats. People can make a stat mean anything they want. <laughs> True, but men lie, women lie, but numbers don't either. No, it, the numbers do lie because when's anybody. The last, when's the last anybody time can. Anybody weed? can. Answer can listen. Answer that. How do you give know who got number. into a car accident because they smoked dope? How do you know they do? Listen, listen I don't have. I don't need. I don't need stats to know that somebody sits home and doesn't do shit when they smoke weed. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. When they. When they do weed all day long, that they don't want to go to work, that they do, they're all they're dying for is to get the next get next time going to smoking weed behind the building or whatever. I don't need stats to tell me that. Yeah, well, I know a lot of people that do it, and I don't agree with it. I don't have to agree with it. Fine. You can convince me all you want. I won't agree. That's fine. It's still not the gateway Here, drug like this let, stuff Let me is. say something. Let me say something. Here's the thing with, with gateway. I'm unconvinced either way, but if, if because because I know people who do smoke and have not touched other drugs, or people who drink and don't go don't go further into other higher risk drugs and whatnot, uh, you know, and keep their drinking at a minimum or whatever. So if 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 there if there you know a drug is a gateway drug for a certain individual, Mark, I think that 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 person has deeper issues 
which is why they're they're you know going from one drug to another. Well, here's some of the reasons I, I they say, say that. that, Lou or Omar. This is what they say: the habits, how they start with these prescriptions, become harder. I mean, there's reasons of to feel good or get high, to relax and relieve tension, to reduce appetite or increase alertness. Which I've heard that before. People using Adderall to do this. People using Vicodin because it keeps them mellow at work and that you know it keeps them more calm. I've heard all that shit before. To be accepted by peers. Listen, they're doing it at 12 years old. They're not picking up the dube anymore. They're picking up that pill. Dude, how I mean, how dude, you're making it like 95% of the community is using this stuff. It's not like that, what, man. Heroin? You the way you're talking like everybody's using prescription drugs or smoking dope. It ain't like that, man. Really? I mean, you're you're, you're the way really? you're making it like hold on, so hold on. severe. Really? We're up 300%. Hold on. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't talk stats anymore. There's 58 deaths in Detroit. There's now leading. Of what? 58 deaths of who? Chaldeans, Americans, what? No, it doesn't. You're, are you talking about general? General society's always been like I that. I understand. If it wasn't heroin, it was smack, it was crack, it was coke, it was right. whatever. But it's the increase that's coming now filtering its way over here because of the cheap way of getting the access to it. Well, we if, they're, if you're that weak that you have to have it, it's your own problem. No, Who, it's, it's not if you have arm. to have a needle in your arm, that's your problem. That's where your problem. No, is. It's, it's not, not my problem, anymore. dude. If it's, you, if it's I, not going to be heroin, they're going to go and get but, high. They're going to get which, drunk. Which any, is, yeah, you're they're right. They're going to get anything they right. want. But what you you're know? saying is the old school. It's not that dingy putting. I'm not saying old school, dude. It's I, the guy in the suit that's using that's using hardcore drugs because right. now they're clean and synthetic and nice. But you're wrong. They're 12 years old. There's no kid in no suit. I don't know any 12 year olds using freaking. Coke and crap, whatever. Oh. This guy was 27. That I don't. I'm it sorry. Was 10 years he's been doing it. That well, you know what? Then obviously he's that dumb that he's been doing it. That's his own problem. That's a disrespectful comment to make. Hey, look, I'm really telling. Let me tell you something. If you're 12 years dumb. old, he's not if you're dumb. 12 years, he's taken it by the system, and I pause. Dude, what do you mean that. by the system? If the guy is 12 years old and he's he's using heroin, that's somebody else's fault. You know what? Come that, on, man. That, of course. Why do we look at the parents then if they got their man, kid on heroin the at 12? pressure that comes in from what some of these people do and the acceptance of what, what goes pressure, on. What pressure, man? Pressure is from within, not from without. You pressure yourself to accept or not accept not things. True. If you're that weak of a person that you have to be a sheep and follow everything, and you like, got issues, and like Mark. I said, Mark. And, like I said, and like I said, if everybody was knowledgeable enough to understand music, they wouldn't have to dumb themselves down to society. Society ain't all smart, my friend. 90% is dumb, 10 I didn't say society is smart. But you're saying the willpower is supposed to be so accepted. Habibi, this no. willpower I did 15 years ago is probably 85% of this community can't withstand that willpower and would fall to it. Okay? That's what happens, whether it's this community or any other community. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to get Angie, who did write that article. Let's get her on and let's, let's hear from the person's mouth who actually dealt with this to hear how stupid that person was that used it that she knows. Listen, first let's of all, before, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. First of all, I, I'm not saying whatever the person there. I'm saying my if he's using drugs at that age, there's a much deeper issue than the, I just want to get drugs and get high. Maybe they're on. Maybe they're like their parents are abusing them. Maybe there's something going on in the home. There could be anything going on. There's obviously when people get that deep into drugs at a young age, there's issues going on. Bob Probert, the enforcer for the Detroit Red Wings for years, yeah. his dad was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and so he was exposed to alcohol and abuse and at a young a- at a young age and became addicted to alcohol. My point is, he wasn't six or eight years old deciding, well, you know, dude, it's going to be cool to take a drink right now. It was a deeper issue that was going on in his life, with his family, with his dad, and that's what happens. It's you a can't... combination of it all. And let me tell you something. It's not always just that. It's just the fact that people try things. It's, it's a try. It's like anything else. Okay, 
that that attempt to try and the persuasion is so easy because it's not what we, what it used to be, Mark. It's not the fact that you're sitting, like you said, in a corner, jacking yourself up with a needle. We, They're we sniffing have, this stuff. They're smoking this stuff, right? We have so, John John on the line from D.C. again. John. Yeah, hey, guys. Hey, John. How you doing, buddy? Good. I figured to call back again since nobody else is calling in. <laughs> well, they're man. calling. We're just right now. We're just actually with a few callers. It's just I've been talking so much, John, that I haven't let them get on yet. Sorry. <laughs> so I mean, I think a lot of it goes back to parenting, right? A lot of it goes yes. back to parenting. I think. Um, you know, I, I I was born in this country. I'm 39 years old. I, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. I lived here for more than 30 years in the D.C. area. I lived in Michigan for nine years, um, and uh, we just moved back here to D.C. about six months ago. But, um, you know, we live in a great country, a land of opportunity. But, um, unfortunately, the society here in this country is very, very liberal. Um, Christianity is not very prevalent in society, um, and it's getting worse and worse. And... You know, our children, I have two kids myself. I mean, they're young. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, two girls. And, you know, I, w- I want to know what they're doing 24-7. You know, as a parent, I, I care about my kids, and I I want to be involved with my kids and know what they're doing 24-7. Um, but, but there are some parents out there that, that don't know how to parent. Um, I'm sorry to say this. I mean, I, I don't think it's the majority. I think I think the majority are, are decent people, uh, you know, regardless of the community. Um, but I think I think there is um, a minority out there that um, they're not they're not raising their kids properly, and they're not teaching their kids to to stay away from this stuff. Um, can I you know Can I ask you a question? Um, yeah. This is Junior. Um, I, I I want to ask you. You're saying that with the parenting and what have you. Okay, so you're seeing it from hindsight right now because you have a five year old and a three year old, and obviously you're not going to open conversation to them at this point in time about drugs and what have you because it's it's obviously way too early in life. What would you do as they get older, and at what age do you think you would make that conversation open to them? And and tell us how would you? I mean, just to say at this point, how would you address it with them to to make them understand that's not the well, choice? I mean, I think it's common sense, right? I mean, my parents told me when I was growing up, maybe starting at 10 or 12 years old, you know, don't smoke, don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink, stay out of trouble, follow the law, um, you know. Um, hey, John, John, Yeah. I got two 18-year-olds, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm just flat out blatantly, blatant about stuff with them. And I showed them, there's like some, I've even showed them a video on World Star Hip Hop where the guy's beating the shit out of his kid. I go, go ahead and try it. Let's see what the hell is going to happen to you. I hate to say it, yeah. but sometimes you have to use it. Look, you can't be, I mean, with me, like I said, my kids are now, you know, in the high teens. And sometimes, you know what? That's what you got to do. You can't always be your kid's friend. You can't always be reasonable. Sometimes you have to go off and do what Probably you got to do. Probably the smartest thing you said on the radio show since it yeah, started. Yeah, I agree. Tough love. You got to give them tough love. Understood. And you know what? I do I, also. I mean, to, me, to, me, that's, to me, that's parental involvement. Correct. I mean, yep. Uh, you know, it goes back to the parents. Kids, kids are products of their parents. That, that's True. what I believe. And, and if parents have addictive personalities, the kids can be like that too. So yes, there could be some situations There's where no if with with a addictive personality, every single human being, in my opinion, has it to a greater or lesser degree. Well, that's, it's human nature. My... It's human nature. I mean, some right. of us drink too much. Some of us smoke too much. 
some of us eat too much, like me. I eat too much. When I'm stressed out, I eat. Um, you know, we all have our, our, our issues. But, I mean, I, I think I think, I think think 50% of it is parenting. The other 50% is the society that we live in. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a Christian society, uh, I'm sorry to say. I mean, I'm a Christian. My parents are Christians. My wife is a Christian. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm an Orthodox Christian. My parents are Orthodox Christians, but you know my wife is, is, is Catholic, Chaldean Catholic. You know, but but I, we, we don't we don't live in a Christian society, unfortunately. We, we, totally, we agree. really don't. Hang in there. Hang in there. You know what? Sometimes I mean, though, I mean, sometimes. That, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go uh, ahead. Sometimes you. No, sorry. Go ahead, dude. Uh, sometimes you have to try and take an addictive personality and twist it in a positive way. For example. Uh, like taking an addictive personality and turning it into being intense about going to the gym all the time or eating healthy or whatever. Addictive personality doesn't always have to be something negative. You can turn it into something positive, like having a, if you have a passion for music or the arts or something, that's, it's like for me, music is basically an addiction. Right. So, well, 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 gambling. Gambling is a big addiction in the in the Middle Eastern community. There's there's a lot of people that 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 have an addiction to gambling. Um, you, you know, addictions. I mean, there's 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 some addictions that are worse than others, obviously. Um, you know, but um, you know, smoking cigarettes is not the same as smoking crack. You know, um, but I think it goes back to the parents, and I think it goes back to the the, the tough society that we live in. I mean, uh, yeah. I went to high school. Here. I mean, I, I I went to school here, public school, my whole life, you know. And uh, my parents came here in the '60s. They've been here almost 50 years, you know. And uh, I, I I saw everything growing up, you know. And uh, that's that's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, when your yeah, parents when your parents awesome. tell you a hundred thousand times, eventually it sticks in your head, and and you and you avoid that stuff. But, that's good, but John. A lot of, yeah, John. We have John, I got a couple of calls. I got a couple of calls right now coming in. We're gonna we we'll uh thanks, we, thanks for calling. Definitely again, love your insight, John. Thanks, thanks for calling, dude. Yeah. Real quick she before we it. get the um before we get Thank the uh, next caller on, um, we've got Angie. She's gonna be getting on in a second. I just want to say something real quick, and then I'm gonna lead right into her. For the people that saw what happened recently at the grotto um, with the break-in or the the, uh, money that was stolen from there, I have one thing to say about that. You guys all who put out there, loser this, I'd love to do this and this to him, he's going to rot in hell and this and that. Let me tell you something. That loser, what you guys were saying was a loser, was not a loser to me three years ago when I met this guy, okay? This guy was perfectly fine. There wasn't issues that we had with him, ran into him perfectly calm and collective. This guy broke his back a year and a half ago in a car accident, had multiple surgeries, and got hooked on those painkillers. And I watched him go from those painkillers to degrading down till he finally got to what he got to. And, and, and he was getting into bad drugs, and that's what pushed him to go look for that money. Just like this girl who just sent me a message and said, my sister was prescribed Adderall at around 15 years old. That was her gateway drug to Xanax, Oxycontin, and Vicodin. She had and has an addictive personality. So go ahead. Let's get Angie on the line. Um, warm welcome to her and commend her for what she has done for standing up. Angie, thanks for calling in. Hi. Yes, thank you for having me. Hi, Angie. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. This is Junior. That was, yes. That was a very interesting um, answer. questions I've been hearing, huh, and answers. 
yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and and um, I mean, you've been dealing with it for a while, so I mean, there's some stuff that yeah. you can shed light on here to us. Also, give us a little fair share of what you guys have in store with uh, with the Peter Foundation that you guys, the Peter's sure. Angel Foundation. Um, sure. Go ahead. I mean, it's your time. Shoot away. Okay. Okay. Well, um, my aunt and I, um, we're the ones who came up with Peter's Angels, obviously, because Peter was my brother who was addicted to drugs for almost ten years. Um, so once he passed away, um, to honor him because he was the type of person who wanted to get better to try to come up with this organization himself to try to help others in our community. Unfortunately, he passed away. So my aunt and I, her name is Iman. We came up with this idea to do Peter's Angels, which is a nonprofit organization founded to bring drug awareness to the Chaldean community and obviously supported by Bishop Francis. And we're just here to bring awareness to everyone out there who has kids dealing with this, to have a support system, to um, just help them know what they're looking for. Because most people in our community don't realize what their kids are going through. They don't realize what the symptoms are. They don't, they, you know, hide behind it or they just give their kids money without even knowing. So that's why we are here to do this. Real quick, give give them give them some understanding when you say symptoms and stuff and some signs of that. I know I've seen things. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. complaint of issues, depression, confusion, hallucinations, yeah. feeling, selling prescription. I mean, so that that you I know, you know I've you know, give us some of that light. You know, it starts. You know, like my brother was in middle school when he started to do this, and a lot of it was like weed. But one thing you have to know is that they become loners. All of a sudden, they stay in their room. Um, they don't have many friends or they sleep all day up all night or all of a sudden they're hyper, their grades fail. Um, they skip school. That's a big key, especially if you have kids in middle school and high school. If they're skipping school a lot, not they're sleeping in, um, just stuff like that, that you just notice a shift in change, like a shift in any behavioral changes at all. That's when you need to question. If they're asking for money all of a sudden a lot, um, just those are the things to keep aware of. If, you know, those are the things to keep an eye on, especially the young ones. And yeah, hi, this is Mark Casacol, and I got a question for you. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, but in between all this, did he have any? Were there any? It was he bullied in school? Um, any type of other issues that may have been going on that may have led to him becoming more of a loner or doing things? You know, kind of, kind of getting you know isolated from society. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the kids who start younger do have underlying issues, or some of them do. So once, so when they do have the underlying issues, that's when you start to notice them, like they want something to get away from their pain or from their issues, and you start to see them using weed, which is a gateway drug, um, to other things, especially with people with addictive personalities. But when you do have an addictive personality, it's also an underlying issue, family trouble. Um, my brother used to have social anxiety. He did have mild depression. And as, especially when they're teenagers, when their hormones are raging and they can't handle certain situations, peer pressure, bullying, a lot of these kids go to that to make themselves feel better or just to get away, the feeling of getting away from all their issues. And that's how they deal with it. And that's where the parents come in to notice that these, these kids have these underlying issues. You know, it's easy when they're young. You know, take them to a counselor, take them to a psychiatrist, anything to help them out when they're younger to prevent this. And that's what the Chaldean parents, some of them don't understand, especially the older ones, that they don't notice their kids are changing or they don't notice that their kids have issues, um, especially back then the generations. Obviously, like my generation, I'm 38, 
I have an 11-year-old. I understand these issues. I see them. I'll address them. I'll take them to anywhere they need to go. But back then, or even some of the parents coming from back home who don't understand, um, and that's just where we need to be to help these. That's why we're here, to help these parents figure out these underlying issues or that they notice what their kids are going through and try to help them. Angie, this is so. this is Omar. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Omar Junior's brother. Yeah. Uh, I got Hi. a question for you. Hello. Sure. So you mentioned Hello. um, uh-huh. <laughs> you mentioned uh, gateway that that marijuana is a gateway drug. Um, mm-hmm. I I am neutral about whether a drug is yeah. quote unquote gate, gateway or not. But here's, <laughs> a, here's my question. Uh-huh. So is a is a drug can a will a drug be a gate a quote unquote gateway drug? if the person does not have underlying issues when they started using it? Like if they just started for recreation? Yeah. You know, and every situation is different. I mean, obviously there's so many scenarios, so many different things that people go through. But, yes, if you don't, I assume, if you don't have an addictive personality and you use marijuana as for recreational use, a lot of those people don't get addicted. They do have willpower. They understand that this is just for recreation use and they don't go on that but i me we're here to discuss is like someone like my brother who did have underlying issues and those types of drugs are obviously a gateway for those type of children for those type of people but yes there's a lot of people i'm sure doctors and lawyers who use weed just for recreational uses and not been addicted to it so yes i don't think it's a gateway drug for certain people but it is for certain other people so that tells me that it's it's really it's not the drug itself, it's more the person and what they're going exactly. through in the yeah, personality. I think so. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who start young um using drugs do have underlying issues. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know um what's crazy what I was trying to um explain earlier on um, Angie was as we're talking about 12-year-olds doing this and I'm talking mm-hmm. about 300% See, what's crazy is just because we don't have the word Chaldean listed to 58 bodies or 53 bodies in Wayne County, we don't mm-hmm. know if there was 1 or 2 or 3% or whatever percent, if there was any, included in that. So when uh-huh. I'm bringing that to light, that's to let you know that when the poison is coming, it's coming. It does not matter who you are, where you are, when you are. If you're going to be 12 and if you're African-American, Chaldean, Hispanic, whatever you are, mm-hmm. is coming to a neighborhood near you. Just a yes. few years ago, I remember a kid here died because the same thing, painkillers and this and that. He was doing this and that. He died here, and the, and the kid that he was with was blamed for his death. No, no, should not be. Should not be. Yeah, maybe he may have been a part of it, but look, as the story goes, you sleep with dogs, you wake up with fleas, Okay. So if you're going to be standing there and you're going to be hanging around with somebody, whether they're going to be smoking weed, drinking liquor, mm-hmm. getting into fist fights, or doing heroin, you're going to fall in, in, into that trap. So can you give us a little bit help here, some of the signs that that, that um, could help some of these Chaldean parents, and what people can do to reach out to uh, your the um, the organization you guys have put together? Yeah, um, well, we are having our first meeting um, on, at, at April 23rd, Thursday at 7 p.m. It's going to be at Mother of God Church. Um, and we're there just to bring awareness and to the Chaldean community. Just we're going to talk about, like, what, you know, just about all the signs and how to help them and what else What else was I going to say? Do we have hotlines for people to call? Do we have a rehab center set up? We are working on a hotline um, soon that we will have soon. 
Um, we do have um, email, we have Instagram, and we also have Facebook that people have. Once the Chaldean News came out, um, I have received insane amount of emails, um, in, in Instagram messages, private, Facebook, about all these Chaldean parents who are dealing with their children, young children, well, but Mark said this. Mark said it's not mm-hmm. part of Chaldeans. Let me let me let, me let me let him hear oh, that again. Let me tell you. Mark, she's telling you and the rest of the listeners that when yes. she lets out it, there, the the outcry to her. I'm telling you myself. I got yes. almost a I'm, dozen messages and calls. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, hold on. Don't misquote me. Okay, I didn't say this is not a Chaldean problem. I said, but the way it's, you're magnifying it, it, like it's a 90% of the people problem. When it's, it's not 90%, whatever. but it is getting no, no, up there. Not you, Angie. I'm saying yeah. when Junior was saying it, he was so intense about it, like it was 90% of the people yeah. had the problem when it's not like that. Whatever it is, hey, look, every community is going to have a 5% or well, 10% or whatever it might be. Well, think about it. Just last week alone, last week alone, three Chaldean men passed away from overdose, 19, 27, and 29. That's in one week. The issue is getting bigger. It is out there. The I'm not disagreeing. Received, I'm yeah. not disagreeing. Just like with our similar – look – Things are more readily available in society, and in the same yeah. way that, in the same way that divorce is increasing our, in our community because yeah. of things more readily available in society and yeah. man's addictive nature, it's the same thing with drugs. It's and it's yeah, that there. Is true. It's, it's there. there. And it's, not, it's, it's, sorry, go ahead. Andrew. It is everywhere. It's even in there. It's even in our medicine cabinets. Yep, I so agree. I can tell you right now. Buy. First hand, Angie, you know, I had a conversation with her earlier. We kind of got acquainted over the phone as quick as possible mm-hmm. to get the phone, you know, with you and I. But, you know, one thing I told her earlier was you may not see it. You know, Mark, like I said, you sleep with dogs, you wake up with fleas. You mm-hmm. might run with a better pack that doesn't get involved or see this stuff on a, on a daily basis. But when you're a guy like me who has gone through this issue in my life of losing this arm, do you know how many people think that I have painkillers and have asked Mm -hmm. me if I have any extra laying around? So when you keep hearing that this many, 16 years later, how many more times per year, per day, somebody says to you, anything at home, back this, man, my leg this, no. I don't have any of that stuff. I don't touch that stuff. Advil, my brother lives with me, you know, he'll tell you. Angie, can you, what are some of the, like, what is the the mission statement of, of Peter's Angels? What are some of the the long-term goals that you guys are trying to accomplish. And then once you tell us that, you know, maybe you could tell the, our listeners uh, how they can contact you guys. Sure. Um, one of our long, like our goals is to be, is obviously have meetings um, every month. And especially during the summer months where the kids are out of school, we're going to try to have meetings even more. Also in the future, um, one of our goals is to do fundraising to maybe to help other parents raise money and help support other parents to send their children to anything that they need, like rehab or counselors or anything, just to even detox from that thing, um, from the drugs. Um, also, they so are, interest- are you guys uh-huh. are you guys going to kind of also like be an advocacy, um, you know, kind of agency where like you might help people find a counselor if they need it, stuff yes. like that. Yes, and okay. that's what we're going to bring up at our first meeting. Where can you go to get help? And that's going to be one of our key points at the meeting. Um, also, you know, there's always the priests out there that are helping. Um, and you can contact us at our Instagram account is Peter and Peter's Angels Chaldean Community. Also, I have a Gmail account, which is um, petersangelscc at gmail.com. Um, and right soon we will have a phone number where they can contact me. But also, you can email me at any time, and I do call back everybody who emails me. And everything is privately done. Um, we don't discuss anyone's names, and I'm just here to help because of my brother. 
and I want to help others. I, if I could just save one person, that's a job well done, too, it's just to bring awareness to everyone. I agree. I that's, agree. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah, great we commend job. you. Commend you on your mission. Yeah, we we Thank applaud you. you for standing up. That's great that you stood up to this and been yeah. able to speak about it. And as hurtful as the situation may be, you're turning something so negative into something positive because you are, you are now the face of what we needed. Thank you. And that's what we want to say. We want to tell people, don't be afraid to come out. Don't be afraid to find someone. There are people out there. We're here. Others, anyone you can think of, don't keep it to yourself. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to the families out there, to the parents. Don't be ashamed. It's either help your child or your child will die. And that's what I want to say. It's, it's, it's that strong. It's either help them or they will die. Don't leave them. Don't be ashamed. We're all here to help. So, um, and another thing that I just wanted to mention is that you know I'm, um, you know, the English speaking, and my aunt, um, to any Chaldean families who don't speak English or don't understand, my aunt Iman um, does speak Chaldean in Arabic. So if anyone needs to talk, there's also her too. So, I just wanted to say that for all the non-speaking. <laughs> Out of curiosity. What were yeah. some of the things that you did, and you were not, you can keep everything anonymous. We just need to know sure. some of the things that were brought to light to you when people reached out to you. Were they telling you what type of substance abuse was it that you were hearing most about? Was this, was you, were you hearing about heroin? It was, or were, it were was you all about, heroin. Oh, wow. Wow, how I mean, heartbreaking. The emails that I received about not just one, I had one girl tell me one brother and another brother. I had one girl tell me her nephew and her sister i mean i've it was what the stories that i heard i was in shock from but most of them were heroin yeah you know it's funny you talk about that even all the old rockers like steven tyler mm-hmm. from aerosmith and all the guys yeah yeah they say that they say that one hit of heroin you can be instantly yeah. addicted that's how that's you know what my why? brother used to say yeah. Do you know why? Do you guys know why? I'll tell you. Yeah. I've not done that, but but for what I felt doing morphine, it's this. It's a high that you get that you will continuously search for, and as you search for that mm-hmm. high, you will do more and more of it to get it, but you will never, ever get it back. And the problem with it is it runs out so quick that you got to go find some more and keep doing it till your pockets run out of money, and in one year, mm-hmm. you're dead broke, hitting the streets, robbing, yes. stealing, doing anything you got to do to get that drug. That is so correct. keep playing music. Don't use heroin. <laughs> um, I want to tell you guys something, too, just to, to raise an awareness for you as well, too, uh, Angie and you guys. Mm-hmm. So there's a new drug out, okay? Um, this drug is, um, it was just, it's called Flaca. You guys remember the synthetic drug that we were going through, the K2 and all that, and the situations that were yeah. happening at the time? Yeah. Flaca is... It's called gravel, okay, in the streets. And what it is, it's a it's a white crystal. It's similar to what MDMA would do is what it is. And if you know what MDMA is or if you don't, I'll explain it. It's Molly, ecstasy, which really took off in the 70s, 80s, and then made its way back in 90s and what have you. It's a cheap form of doing it. It's $5 for you to get hooked yes. on this thing. You get hooked on it so quick, but you are experiencing death at a faster rate right now using that stuff. And it's almost like... like they're telling you stick going go back to going to MDMA or you're gonna die. Isn't that sad? So it's like you have a choice of either sticking to the street drug or going to synthetic. And if you go synthetic for five bucks, you die. Wow. Angie, thank I, you for the I have heard of there are some out there that are worth five dollars. I've heard my brother mention it before. Um, 
So I'm not surprised by hearing that. I just didn't know what it was called. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, we thank you. And again, thank that you was for not, having me on. That was thank Peter's. Thanks, Angie. Uh, real quick, that was Peter's CC at gmail dot com, or you can find them at Instagram at Peter's Angels Chaldean Community under Instagram. And uh, keep up the good work, Angie. And Thanks, Angie. Thank God bless you. Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a good thank night. You. Thank you, too. All right. Uh, we got June. June. We have June on the line. June? Hello? June, are you there? We, 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 we can hear you. We hear you breathing. Um, we know you're live. Mark. Uh, oh, Mom, I tell you guys, I just... Got got another message from uh, from this from this other girl who said this is what she said. She said I cannot stress enough how important it is to recognize how easy it is as a parent to enable your child by providing money, food, and even shelter while they're using. You don't recognize it as a parent because it's what you've always done, and how very important it is to get past any shame and embarrassment and seek help for yourself or your loved one. Ask for help. My sister finally did, and she was on a plane within six hours headed for a rehab facility. She would have died without a doubt. So that is something she is giving that parents got to understand as well as siblings and whoever else is involved how to help. We don't know. I mean, even with me and my age, like if I was to approach that situation, I would be thrown back on how to deal with it because I've never we've never dealt with it, you know, none of us. Yeah, I mean, the addiction alone is a cry for help. Having an addiction like that is a cry for help. There's something going on internally that's I wrong. I mean, okay. and and you know, you can do as much as you can to try to help the situation, but like you said, if that if it if inside you're so deep into it, you're knee deep into it, and I have an example. I have a I have my friends who said they were helping a a person through rehab, okay, and um, that person was sent away out of state, and literally, day after them buying him a moped to be able to get around to do what he had to do, he went and bought crack cocaine again, and now is back in jail. And it's sad because somebody who was with him reached out to me yesterday on Facebook after I posted that and said they need to get him out or he's going to end up doing five years in prison. And I reached out to my friends and said, what's the deal? They said there's almost an impossible way to get that guy to recover at this point in time. If he doesn't stay in there, he's going to die if he gets out. What do you say then? Keep him in jail. I mean, if he's get, that's what's going to sober him up, he's got to do what you got to do. What's up, fellas? Hey, Rafa. How you doing? Rafa in the house. I'm really sorry I'm late, man. I was You're just sorry, late, But I was listening. Okay. I was listening to both uh, segments. Um, I don't have much to say about that. I don't have a lot of experience. But just like any other addictive, um, whether it's drug, alcohol, or whatever it is, I'm going to come from the spiritual side. Seek Jesus. And this is not an old cliche. This is true. You know, you do some soul-searching, and it'll go a long way to find what's causing you to be addicted. You know, I know sometimes you have different situations, like with your arm and that. It's really difficult. I don't know how I would react to it. I'll well, probably be addicted. Rafa, the biggest question we've we've had, one of the biggest questions we've had in this discussion, and maybe give us a little bit of your insight on it, is uh, recreation versus addiction. Uh, do you believe that because there there are a lot of people who say that they do let's say smoke weed you know for recreation 
And there are others who, as Mark pointed out earlier, it can become a gateway drug for. So tomorrow morning, if just out of curiosity, if they legalize that, then we just change our perspective for what we just said today and said, okay, it's okay because wait, now. Wait, wait, let, let, hold on. Hold on. Okay. I, I don't think it's nothing to do with legalization, but go ahead and wrap it. I think it does, honestly. For example, to me, I don't drink alcohol once in a great while if I'm at uh, a wedding or something. But if it was illegal. Probably, definitely, I wouldn't even think about it. Not because, oh, I don't break the law or anything. I don't know. I see weed, to me. I don't like your statement earlier, uh, Junior, when you say, hey, smoke seven days. I don't know. I don't know if that's... Uh, no, I didn't say I that. Mark said seven days. I said smoke no, you weed. Said seven no, no, no. I said not... I said not that... Seven days, but versus somebody you who... said smoke all the weed you want. I don't care. What was this? Over, over, over doing heroin? Well, yeah. You know what? Let them do that as much as they want over doing that. I have not heard anybody die no, off then of you're that. not... You are not dealing with that addictive personality then. You're just taking it from heroin and throwing it on weed. I guarantee you, all those people who... You said that died from heroin. Every single one probably started with weed or smoked weed in their life. And I'm not saying everybody that smokes weed is going to end up being a, a heroin. It, it just tells me it's a sign that they have an addictive personality, and that's not the way to deal with it. That's my opinion. A lot of people think, no, you know, weed is harmless. No, it's not. I've had, I've worked in the suburbs, in the country, in Detroit, and you know what? It's the same thing. Those ones that smoke weed every day, I'm sorry, laziness, never wanted to work, wanted to depend on whatever. Oh, uh, damn, those guys are so bad, had the munchies, ate potato chips. They're such bad people. Maybe, I'm Man, telling you. Come on, I'm talking about the guys who were sitting there coming in, standing in the store with their hands shaking because their hands were swollen because the doctor who had given them, or my aunt, let me tell you this, who walked into the hospital with a stomach ache, and right away he quickly prescribed her a morphine pill, sent her home, and she had a ruptured aorta in the morning and died. He didn't even treat her right. It's Let me give you that written You're excuse. talking about a separate issue now. Well, You're talking about you, an idiot doctor. No, I'm talking just, about the fact that, that this is such an easy prescribed drug that the addiction comes easier off of that than that joint that's rolled because most kids can get at the age of 12 years old hands-on prescription drugs. So all they got to do is go take a pee in the bathroom, I, go to the I, medicine I don't know cabinet, if I believe. Listen, I, in my business, we deal with a lot of doctors. We're into the therapy kind of thing. So we have firsthand experience experience after people have surgeries and a lot of times these doctors do not want these patients to be addicted they'd rather see them do therapy and deal with it okay yeah, then then to i don't know which doctors you deal with well the same ones that will tell you you know what I, I tried to reduce your cholesterol. Let me give you this pill. Not, you know what? Let me give you this this workout regimen instead. Not, not always. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, but sometimes cholesterol is hereditary, and you need need that stuff. Sometimes you right. don't, but sometimes it's hereditary. Sometimes, but a lot of times it's it goes to back that to your addictive personality. Yeah, and I agree. If so, it's alcohol, you'll get addicted. If it's gambling, if it's eating, whatever it is. Yep. Um, all right, uh, we got a caller here. Okay. What do you mean? So, relax. Hold your horses. Okay. Okay, so yeah. we have uh, Joe. 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 Hi, guys. Um, I'm, hey, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Good, good. Thank you. I was actually listening to your show. Um, so I have a story, actually. Um, it happened to me. Not to me, but a friend of mine. And I actually, it's an experience, experience I had with heroin. So a friend, um, you know, working with a guy, whatnot, Guy was addicted to heroin. I don't want to get into too much detail about it, but he was addicted to heroin, and I was able to get him to quit the heroin, and 
but that's mainly because of marijuana. The guy had never smoked a day in his life, doesn't smoke cigarettes, doesn't do weed, nothing. He did have a he did have a problem uh, taking pills. So he was just he was an extremist. I mean, we're talking I don't know ten plus daily. Switched over to heroin. To him is I I kept him. I made sure he was locked up in a room for two weeks straight. And what I would do is every time he would like have some sort of like relapse or he would like have a, a like a crave or whatever, he would call me. I would go to the room and just roll up a, a joint for him. Two weeks straight, we did that. I would make sure he gets food, drinks, came back, and now doesn't take any drugs. Only thing he does do, the only thing he does now is strictly marijuana. Wow. He's a lot healthier, a lot healthier. He's back in the gym, back in school. Wow. Wow. Oh, God. Wow. Hey, you know what that sounds like? You ever seen the movie The Basketball Diaries? You ever seen the movie no, The Basketball Diaries? It's seriously no. exactly what you just said, except he. He chained, it was, uh, well, Leonardo DiCaprio, and uh, they end up, the guy chained him in the bathroom to break him of his heroin addiction. He was going through all kinds of withdrawals and stuff like that, and then he finally I was, Yeah. Up. You know, I, the thing was, I was working for the kid and his father, um, construction work. We were at a hotel, so we were all in a room. You know, we were staying at the hotel room there. They were giving us a place while we were working at the hotel. Now, in the meantime, it was me, the father, and him, uh, the son, which was on heroin, and his buddy, which was on heroin as well. But the buddy, I don't care about. I didn't even know the guy. But they were, uh, he, he, the buddy was doing it for a while, for, I don't know, five, ten years prior. I, I have no clue. I didn't even dig into it. But my, the, my friend just started, I would say, a year prior to me starting to work for his father. So we were actually staying at the hotel room, hence the reason why we were in the hotel room. But yeah, I haven't seen that movie, though. It's funny. Joe, yeah, thanks a lot for calling, man. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Joe, um, I want to tell you something. That, that actually, just because of what you just said right now, um, it, it's so coincidental to what you just said because of the story two days ago. I was, um, I was out uh, at Uptown um, hanging out mm-hmm. Sunday night, and um, somebody came up to me, and we were talking because I had posted the, uh, the article from Chaldean News on Facebook. And mm-hmm. the per- the person came up to me and said to me, can I tell you something? Can I pull you aside for a second quietly? I said, sure, what's up? He said, man, my worker, he's addicted to heroin. And I told him I would give him all the weed that he wants, and I would take him and keep him under our wing. And I, I don't want to let him go. He's a great worker. I would keep him around. You know what he said? He said, my only scare is as his body's getting that when the rejection starts happening and the craving is there, he was worried about what was going to happen if the if if he would have had an outburst and done something to get his heroin. That was his only thing. But without even this conversation you just had right now, two days prior, somebody said the same exact thing. Not to condone it, but do you guys know that when somebody gets off of heroin stuff like that, you these guys take these they these need painkillers and all they need something. Okay. So yeah, but hey guys, we got to go to is medicinal guys. Yep. Agreed. We got to go to announcements. Joe, thanks a lot for calling. Thanks, man. Joe. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. Appreciate it, buddy. Do this topic. Yep. So, uh, all right, what do we got here? Uh, some some uh, events going on. What do we got to um, give some of the listeners a heads up of what we got coming up? Uh, Rafid, you got stuff for us? He's on a diet. <laughs> That's a hell of an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> He's really funny. Okay, step in the back. Uh, we have this big teach event. It's really, really important. Teach deals uh, with all the kids' needs back home. Many of them are not 
you know, getting any type of education, no activities, nothing. It's really, really important to support this group and their mission. So, here it goes. You know what? I'll let, I'll let Mark read it. All right. Chaldeans teaches having a fundraiser called An Evening Between the Two Rivers on May 15th at the Regency Manor. Uh, it'll be an evening full of history, culture, ethnic food, and art. Sponsorship starts at only $250, and more information can be found by emailing Chaldeans Teach Fundraising at gmail.com. That's Chaldeans Teach Fundraising at gmail.com. You can get your tickets directly off of neptix.com. That's N E P T I X.com. It'll be a great time, and it's going to be on May 15th. Thank you, Mark. I just want to share one uh, story. When I was in Jordan in December, as many of you know, I visited uh, a young couple with three children. They had a two-year-old, Virginia. She had a bad heart condition, and it was really, really sad. It was even more sad looking at these parents in their eyes and that feeling of hopelessness uh, that they couldn't do anything for their daughter because, as you know, they're refugees. They were displaced. Well, Another group under Help Iraq, just like Teach, is Mercy, Medical Emergency Relief for Christian Iraqis. So I contacted a couple of their physicians, and uh, they worked really hard. Finally connected with a, a surgical team from Europe, from Austria, who do missions after many obstacles, finally ended up in Jordan, and I'm really happy to say Monday, Virginia had her surgery Everything went well, and I am. It was one of the happiest days of my life. So please continue to support Help Iraq and all the groups Mercy, Teach, and Justice. Justice is fighting for uh, our people's rights because a lot of them don't have any. And the way you can support and find out more for with those organizations is visit www.helpiraq.org. That's www.helpiraq.org. Or you can follow them on Facebook. Help Iraqs on Facebook, always updating and putting information on there. They're great, too. Um, you can also do the uh, tax program if you feel like donating and help a family out. That's available, and you can see that as well on the uh, page. I do want to make an announcement right now. Um, if you guys didn't hear or uh, if it was announced before and you missed it, uh, Rafid, I don't know who nothing. Oh, Look at him as his head's swelling up. Okay. <laughs> Look at him. Your, okay. your left arm is swelling up. It is. Inflammation. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not yeah, okay. Hurry up. You have 90 so, seconds. Um, to, uh, Friday is the Chaldean Chamber of Commerce dinner. Rafid is um, is going to be uh, up there speaking on behalf of being nominated for Humanitarian of the Year Award. Okay. Um, he's going to have his uh, best, best suit on. Ladies, be ready. Oh, man, look uh, out. Robin's going to be looking sweet. We're smiling, everything. I mean, I'm telling you right now, he's glowing. I don't know. He's not having a baby. Here's the thing, though. If Robin gets too excited, we're going to have to give a windshield wiper to everybody in the first five rows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Angie. Thanks all the callers. God bless anybody going through any of these addictions, substance abuse. Remember, and remember we're uh, we are biweekly now. We will not be on next week. We'll be on. Thanks for all the callers. Biweekly, not bisexually. Lord, he had to speak his biweekly. Piece. Ruined it. Ten seconds left, and it was over. We will. Uh, you need we'll to do a show about weeks. this dumb engineer right here. <laughs> See you guys all. Bye. Bye.